Hello, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're so excited to be with you today. And we are going to look at the Sunday readings. If you haven't heard them already, check us out at Hear The Word, we'll read where we read them to you. And also, you can read them yourself, of course, and you can go to the Catholic Bishop site and they have them online too. But after you've read them, or join us and we will have our reflection. And this is going to be a good one because we are looking at how psychology kind of gets it wrong when it comes to true happiness. So I'm excited to get into that discussion uh, in just a few minutes with Dr. Peter. Hey, Dr. Peter, how are you doing today? It is. I am doing really well. I This is like, an, I really enjoy this time, Jerry, like Dr. Jerry, being with you, diving into the word. We're looking at the, the readings for the 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time uh, in Cycle A, and they are so rich. It's just It's just a real blessing to be able to go through these with you and to really pull out the psychological implications, the stuff that you won't usually hear uh, in the sermons or the homilies at Sunday Mass that you won't necessarily pick up from spiritual reading. That's what we're all about. And that just really, that really gets me charged mm-hmm. up. So yeah, I'm super yeah. excited to hear your insights about and, these readings too. Yes. And by the way, on a totally unrelated note, I finally got a haircut. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the first uh, post-pandemic haircut that I was able to get just the other day. So uh, I didn't have it totally short, but I, it's definitely a little bit cleaned up. So uh, I'm feeling lighter and, uh, <laughs> and enjoying a little more interaction with human beings uh, <laughs> carefully, but still enjoying that. So, but yeah, no, these readings are, are actually kind of challenging and interesting uh, mm-hmm. all at once. And, uh, you know, it's funny when, when I think about um, secular psychology, sometimes we'll say person-centered or humanistic or Rogerian for anybody that's into that is is a is a major thrust in a lot of the mental health you know clinical counseling and so on is a focus on good things really like just having positive regard for your for your uh, clients or patients and being um, you know kind of hopeful and non-judgmental and uh, uh, and all that and but it isn't actually. Uh, in total accord with the real message of the gospel and certainly not in total accord with what we see in these readings, which well, are not, really not, challenging. Yeah, and not just not total accord, I would argue diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I think there is a huge turf battle here between humanistic psychology and what we know to be true by divine revelation. In fact, I think they are in a lot of ways diametrically opposed. There's areas of overlap. There's areas of overlap. There's areas where there is agreement and there's a lot of benefits that we can draw from psychology. But when it comes to this central issue of where do we find happiness? What does it mean to pursue true happiness? There are entirely different ideas about what that means and entirely different ideas about how to go about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's what I'm excited. So, You're gonna be bringing that out. So, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I think is interesting, I'm gonna talk about true happiness. I'm gonna give it to you right out the gate. That I um, kind of giving it away here a little bit, but we're really gonna explore this more. Is um, that the way to true happiness is about serving others and living a life that is selfless. 
And another aspect is also fulfilling God's purpose. And we're not going to explore that today because that's just too much. If you really are interested in, in, in exploring, fulfilling God's purpose, uh, so we do at Souls and Hearts have a course called Be Called. And it's really about removing obstacles in your life that get in the way of figuring out your call and your vocation. So check out our website, soulsandhearts.com, and take that course. But today I'm going to be focusing on really this idea of selflessly serving others and what the, and how that relates to picking up your cross. And so I think it's really interesting. And the first reading today is is uh, from King, so it sort of jumps into a you know a, a different Old Testament book than we've been seeing before. And there's this interesting uh, situation with Elisha, and he's visiting this woman from Shunem, and in this case. She actually makes a little space in her house for when Elijah comes by, he can stay there. So she actually prepares this place for him. And so whenever he comes, she wants to hear him, take care of him, and so on. So I think that's really cool. She recognizes that he's a holy man of God. So if even if she isn't a prophet, even if she isn't able to do the work that Elisha does, she actually, through an act of service and hospitality, helps him. And so that's an interesting thing. Like we we can't all be counselors. We can't all be preachers. We can't all be pastors, but we can help those that are doing those work. And that relates to what we see a little bit in the gospel reading, where it says, you know, whoever welcomes a prophet gets a prophet's reward. Whoever helps a righteous man gets a righteous man's reward. Whoever, you know, and so we know that our service is actually contribute to contributes to our own salvation uh, in this way. And in fact, the rewards are pretty great. Um, you don't have to be the greatest of greats, right? You just have to be a good servant and God rewards that and blesses that, which is kind of cool. Um, so basically yeah. what it sounds like you're saying is that your job is to live out your duties of state, whatever those are. So for the Shunammite woman, she was living out her duties of state. God provided an opportunity for uh, her to care for Elisha. She took full advantage of that opportunity and great things came from that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an act. Sometimes we have to look for those ways in which we can be selfless. And it's not about us sometimes, right? It's about figuring out what is it that God is calling us to do to help someone. And it all is furthering his kingdom. It's all serving him. And and that might be a way to pick up your own cross. Um, so I'd like to explore that more. I think it's interesting, though, the difficult passages we see in, in at the beginning of the gospel readings, though, are about whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And and the way I look at that is seeing it that there is a sacrifice, a personal sacrifice that we make when we put Christ above everything else in our life. Right. And it's interesting in the secular world, people will do that in some situations like people will give up time with their family for their job. People will give up sometimes like for the, for military people will go, you know, go overseas and serve and therefore they're sacrificing their time with their family in order to serve this purpose. this great, good purpose, right. Of serving the country and, and so on going to war or whatnot. And they're willing to do that. So what I think is interesting is I feel like in this gospel, 
Christ is calling us to say, are we willing to make some difficult sacrifices for Christ, even if it means, you know, not as much time with your family or not, or, or some other ambition, some other, maybe it's for money, maybe it's for comfort, but, but, but we're giving up something in order to serve God. And that is a difficult message for most people because most of us want our own. We want to have security, financial security. We want it. We're focused on our families. We're focused on ourselves and our own, our own little worlds, right? And that goes down to the heart of what you were saying before of like, where is happiness going to come from? What does secular psychology tell us? And what is our, what is our Lord telling yes. us in the gospel, right? Because there are two very different messages there, two yeah. very different approaches. And, you know, we, we, sometimes we try to combine both, right? So let's, mm-hmm. let's kind of break that down. Let, tell us a little bit, Dr. Jerry, about what your reflections are about those two messages and how they kind yeah. of compare oh, yeah. and contrast. You know, yeah. About Thank how we're going to be happy to that. because because that's kind of like that's kind of like the turf, right? I mean, I got into secular psychology in part because I wanted to hear another point of view to what Catholicism was going to tell me about what would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Right? I was trying to find yeah. out the secrets of life, right? Yeah. And two very different messages. So, so I'm curious about how you were thinking about this as you were as you were reading these. Yeah. What and you know what? You? I'm being. Cha- I'm honestly challenged by this gospel as well, to be perfectly honest, because I feel like it really brings to mind. It's sobering at all the ways in which I'm secular, and I don't even <laughs> always think about it, right? And that this this message is not easy, uh, because what what does uh, you know kind of a humanistic psychology teach us? It teaches us that we need to be self actualized. It means that as a human person, I need to reach my full potential. And when I reach my full potential um, in all ways, then I will be happy, right? And I think that that's really different than um, what the message of the cross is. Because the message of the cross says that in a human way, that in a secular worldly way, I may actually lose things. I may have to give up an aspect of my life in in order to serve God. Right which feels very different. I mean, there's an element, I mean, that, that, that when you live in conformity to Christ, you are personally transformed. You know, when you are becoming, you know, um, sanctified through the process of sanctification, you become more conformed to Christ. And in fact, you find true meaning in that. You find your real purpose in that. And that becomes um, just powerful and transformative. But there's this also this aspect of the day-to-day reality that you're giving up some things for that, right? Like you could be choose, I don't know, I'm thinking what are ways that we can give up? We do give up things as Christians. Sometimes that's our time, maybe through, because we're focusing on prayer, or maybe it's our time because we're focusing on some active service, some charity, some, something, some project that doesn't give us immediate benefit in a secular way, but is building his kingdom or serving one of his children. I mean, in that line, and whoever gives only a cup of water to one of those little ones, you know, that is an act of service for someone else. And yet he'll get a reward for that. seems like a small thing to do, but a huge reward. 
but we won't even sometimes i think we won't even do that right right oh no i think i'm thinking about people's jobs and certain ethical or moral dilemmas that they find mm. themselves in you know sometimes you know we may have to give up a position because you know it demands that we do something that would be considered unethical you know or immoral right. uh you know that would be that would violate natural or divine law you know, I'm thinking mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, some of the challenges that pharmacists have, you know, being forced to dispense, uh, you know, abortifacient birth control pills mm -hmm. and so forth. So, I mean, there are times where the sacrifices to be a Christian are, are great. And I think in our culture and the direction it's going, they could well become greater, you know, so right. we, as it becomes more and more hostile to uh, traditional morality, you know, there's uh, there's more and more potential for, um for for difficult decisions to have to be made you know between uh between christ and what the world would say would make us happy yeah so yeah those those are really difficult ones when it comes down to that where you're having to choose your your life some aspect of your livelihood mm -hmm. uh and uh and make those kind of sacrifices can be really challenging you know it's it's interesting uh there's that there's a movie that came out a few years ago i have to go look up what the name of it was but it was the one that was about the priests in japan oh. and i don't know if you ever saw that one and and they were torturing um christian missionaries and, and any christians were being tortured and when the priest there had to make the decision to uh renounce his faith in order to save those people's lives. And I can remember, um, and maybe if we put it in the comment box, what the name of that movie was, but I can remember being a little bit, finding that a little more challenging than I was comfortable with. Because my immediate answer is, on some level, is of course he should not renounce the faith. And then the other part of me is like, well, that was really brutal. So sometimes, though, if you really look at the gospel, it is kind of saying you're not to renounce your faith. Right, even if well, even not if just it means kind that. of, it's very clear, right? <laughs> it's not kind yeah. of. It's like there's no equivocation about it. It's just boom, <laughs> this is it, and yeah. you know, and that's why the cross is. You know, later it talks about the cross being a stumbling block to to uh, to Jews and a laughing stock for the Gentiles, right. right? Like it is not something that you are going to be able to understand using unaided human reason. You are not going to yeah. be able to to, to get there by your own lights, your natural lights of your own human reason. We absolutely require divine revelation and we require the, uh, the virtue of faith in order to live out the demands of the gospel here. And it is, yeah. it is a hard road, people. And we, we don't do ourselves any credit if we mince words about that. We've got to be really honest about that. So that is a major difference with secular psychology, which would, would tend to say, find the easier path, find the way that would have the least harm to anybody, as opposed to um, do the thing, what we're saying is do the thing that might be a sacrifice, right? Because of a greater purpose, because you're serving God. And that is not an easy message. I don't believe. No. I think, though, if we could segue just a little bit and just touch yeah. on Romans, though, because the passage okay. in Romans is also really cool. And there he's really talking about um, being baptized in Jesus, right? What does it mean to be baptized into his death? And I think that, of course, still relates again to the, the message of the cross and true happiness, because, again... Um, the symbolism, right, in baptism, especially in the early church, 
Um, it was typically in the very, very early church. It was, it was typically adults that were being baptized at that time. And of course it was done in full immersion. I think they're literally got naked, right. And were put right underwater and came up again. So the imagery was so strong of you're being buried. (laughs) You're literally, when you go underwater, you're being buried and then you're coming up again and you rose again. And when you rise again, you are a new person. You are literally a new person, a new, you are literally a child now of God, right? It, it, it was kind of a very powerful thing. And so um, what does it mean to have this kind of transformation? I think, that, uh, I think that that is part of this message of finding true happiness. There needs to be a radical transformation and new identification of who you are as a person That's in right. Christ. That's um, that's part of that whole gospel message is that this is not just a radical message about God and God's love. It's a radical message about who we are in relationship to God, beloved sons and daughters. That is a right. strange concept. If you looked at, you know, what was going on in the in the world at that time. I mean, people did not think yeah. of themselves as beloved sons and daughters of of God. That that was radically different message. So so huge costs in a sense, right? Huge asks for, you know, or at least potential ask for sacrifice, but huge, unimaginable rewards in terms of what lies in store for those who actually follow this, follow this road. Yeah. Cause I mean, those, those early Christians, right. Were in the Roman empire where if they went forward with the ceremony, right. Of baptism, they were renouncing the state religion. Right. Which would, right. Because it required, in- it required at that time, it did require uh sacrifice to Caesar, right? The, uh, right. Who, who proclaimed his own divinity. And remember, this is, this is Paul's letter to the Romans. In a few short years, we're going to have Emperor Nero burning Christians, mm-hmm. you know, lighting up the, you know, lighting up, lighting up the paths of Rome with the burning bodies of Christians. These, these were real and immediate concerns. The costs being extremely high, martyrdom being an extremely likely possibility for for those that took on that took on the uh, the the wonder and the beauty and the awesomeness of the faith, you know, in in those first century times. So it's like, mm-hmm. wow. And we think about like uh, the the risks that they ran um, when it would be so easy to to compromise. It would be so easy yeah. to try to have one foot in the world and one foot in in the in the Christian camp. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even find a little bit, I mean, nothing like what the, you know, ancient Christians had to deal with in martyrdom and all that. But even as a mental health professional, things are changing and there's more of an openness to spirituality in general. But I don't think it's popular to say, hey, I'm a Christian, let alone a Catholic um, uh, marriage and family therapist or psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. Like in some circles that puts you in a real negative light in the world. Right. And so it's... I mean, do you feel that sometimes? Oh yeah, I mean, I've had I've had people ask me. I I don't understand how you could be both, you know, a psychologist and a Catholic. You know, just the idea that those two things are incompatible, and you know, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I think I think a lot of times that's um, there's a I I run up against that kind of bias. So it is great to have places like the Catholic Psychotherapy Association where we can kind of bond together and we can you know we can share ideas and it's great for for me to be able to work with you so closely in souls and hearts too, because I think there's real and importance of a, of a fraternity, yeah. you know, among Catholic mental health professionals as well. So, yeah, yeah but I, and I, I think the world is becoming more and more hostile uh, 
because again, people are going with their own lights. They no longer respect. There's a lot of, you know, a failure to try to discover the reality. There's much more subjectivism. You know, what I want is what's going to be good for me. I'm not going to take instruction from anybody else. You know, there's a real uh, anti-authority type of streak in people. And it's understandable uh, because a lot of people have had negative experiences of authority, but I think it ripples into, well, well, how do we, how do we trust anything coming from a real religion? And in fact, frankly, you know, whenever we have hypocrisy among Catholics or hypocrisy among Christians, that just complicates the matter, you know, even more. So, yeah. And, and, you know, to lighten it just a little bit, but I think this point I want to make is, is, is poignant. Um, you know me, of course, being kind of kind of geeky. Um, I don't know why, but I'm thinking of The Hobbit. And if if you've read The Hobbit or seen, well, the movies aren't that great, but he gets the message across. Like Bilbo Baggins lives in a comfortable little Hobbit hole. And he, he's very happy doing what he does and having no change whatsoever. He and wasn't looking. He wasn't looking for the adventure. He wasn't asking right. for it. He wasn't responding to you know heroes wanted in the paper. He was. He was summoned. Right. He was summoned. Right. He yeah. got a call to go on right. an adventure, and he was pushed and challenged to his limit and beyond, and it transformed who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a little bit the idea of this cross. It isn't just hopefully that we're going to be forced into some situation of physical you know, a red martyrdom, but hopefully we'll be spared of that, but you never know. But um, in general, for most people, it's about picking up your cross. It's about doing something that takes you out of your comfort zone. That's hard. That requires self-sacrifice. That requires a loss, possibly of comfort, maybe even finance finances in some way, maybe uh, respect or something. And we don't necessarily know where this goes. We're having to trust God. And be willing to be transformed into a new man, because our new hobbit, because literally Bilbo comes back, right, a different person in a good way. Really, he becomes somebody, um, you know, uh, right, who learns who he really is. Right, and I think that's the adventure for all of us. And if we're sitting too comfortable, comfortably, uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. And yet, I think secular psychology would. Would, would be wouldn't challenge that in fact it would probably promote as much as possible safety and comfort in that way yeah say? i think i think secular psychology promotes what you happen to be inclined to you know so right. i think some people Relative might be inclined to, yeah might be inclined to extreme adventures and then secular psychology would well how can you do that and how can you do that right. you know thoughtfully and without you know impulse control problems and so forth you know, but but that's the problem of psychology is that it depends on philosophy, theology, epistemology, and metaphysics to give it direction, right? And so what you're seeing and why you have so many different approaches to psychology is because there's as many different anthropologies that undergird it as there are clinicians, right? I mean, you you know, so we're trying to ground the practice of psychology with what we know to be true by divine revelation in Catholicism, you know, but I think there are a lot of people, if you look at sort of secular humanism, that want to make the man or the woman the measure of all things, right? It's a very enlightenment idea where man is now the center of the universe, not God. Man mm-hmm. is the is the pivot around which everything else revolves, no longer 
uh, looking at man as as far as his identity coming from God. And so there's there's sort of these philosophical and uh, and and theological problems that have entered in, you know, that I think have really yeah. influenced our culture. And I think what you said before, like we swim in it. We live in it. Blaise Pascal talked about this a lot in his pensées that we don't even realize how it impacts us because it's so indirect, right? It's so mm-hmm. it's so subtle in the way that it inculcates itself into us. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we have yeah. to we have to be willing to resist that, you know. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's a hard message. It's a hard. I think that's really true. And that's why I think this um, passage in the gospel is so shocking, right? Because this is the very first time. In, in chapter 10 of Matthew, this is the very first time the cross has been mentioned. And so when Jesus, when Jesus's followers hear, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's like mind blowing. Like take up my cross. That's the worst yeah. way to die. That's shameful. Yeah. That's, that's humiliating. You want me to do that? What's, what does that mean? Right? So you know what? What's occurring to me too <laughs> is, as 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 you were saying that, um, I was thinking too about secular psychology. I've been doing this research lately on uh, examples of kind of whether it's counseling, mentorship, guidance, spiritual direction, whatnot in the in the church in the earlier church, right? And and I'm looking at you know hermits, <laughs> desert fathers, you know obviously priests, monks, different people that people would go to for advice i know it's not the same as you know obviously right. not the same as current our current situation in clinical uh mental health counseling but still people people would go to them and and, and even if i think of someone like even padre pio right i mean they may be going to confession but they're getting more than just absolution with padre pio i believe they got a lot more than that. <laughs> and so so what what i'm what i'm where i'm going with this is i think that those spiritual fathers uh were not just sitting there and listening and going, oh, that's a good good path. Do what makes sense to you and do right. what makes you happy, right? I think they actually were able, I mean, the gift of counsel and the gift of looking into someone's soul, but right. they actually challenged that person. Right, right. You know, right. and challenged them to think about God's call in their lives in a way that was not easy. And and I think people sought that out, in fact, right? And and a set, and, and of course, these desert fathers and hermits practice asceticism, which is all about sacrificing comfort and and, and so on in order to uh, draw closer to God. So that kind of takes me a little bit to the takeaway that I was hoping to give here, or action item, I should say, uh, for for today in terms of what you can do. And I was thinking we all could do something that was selfless, uh, maybe something that helped others. Obviously, we could do a, an ascetical act of some kind, a self-sacrifice, but I was thinking more about doing a selfless act for someone else to get in the habit of serving others. Um, I'm curious if you had any ideas of examples of what that could be, Dr. Peter. Well, if you're talking about that, what I was thinking is, you know, one of the things that so strikes me as needed today and is in such short supply is just listening, you know, just listening mm-hmm. to, to another person and really hearing them, even if what they're saying is hard for you to take in. You know, yeah. it might be it might be a disagreement, but you're really trying to understand where the other person's coming from, not interrupt them, not um, not come down on them, but really try to try to create that space to listen, which is harder than people think, 
It's harder than mm -hmm. people think um, because it's so tempting to get in there and want our own points to be made or want to, or want to, you know, to want to suggest that they could think about it a different way or whatever, but just to really listen. Cause that actually can be pretty taxing, especially if the other person is not somebody who you really like that much. You know, right, so, right. that was one. I love that. Moment. I love that. That's a sacrifice of your own, you know, will in a sense or your own. Right whatever your ambitiousness in your, in the conversation. What I, I was thinking about something like actually go out of your way to, to be more conscious about letting other people go first, whether that's, I'm thinking driving. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I was the same in Indiana, but in, yeah, Atlanta, well, in Atlanta, people are aggressive, <laughs> you know, they catch you off everything. And what would it be like to let people through? I mean, sometimes I think in real life, if we could observe our behavior driving, if we could observe it, of people walking, we would be embarrassed. We would be shamed at the way we we are aggressive with each other. And so, and people almost get surprised when you let someone right. in in traffic. Right. So right. maybe it's that letting something in. And if, okay, so there's that. I was also thinking um, if you wanted to take it to a much higher level. Um, yeah, Let's I take I it to a much remember, higher level. Yeah, like what would be a, a financial sacrifice that would be something where you get no gain? Maybe, uh, you know, may, if you have the means uh, at all, but, but it is a, it's ideal if it's some kind of selfless sacrifice, but maybe giving a, a little bit of money to a young couple that is trying to start a family or to buy their first home so they could put it down for their mortgage. That would be a big selfless act. Um, you know, uh, finding some somebody like maybe I can't uh, be um, obviously a pastor of a church or I can't be a preacher or do this apostolate maybe because of my work or whatnot, but maybe I can give in, a, in an anonymous or selfless way to somebody else uh, to help them in their work. Because in this gospel, it says you get the prophet's reward for that, right. which right. shouldn't be just carrot stick motivation, but um, really picking up your cross motivation, conforming right. to Christ. Well, yeah. Sound good? That, that sounds, that sounds great. It's something that you can pray about too. It's something that you can ask God, is there a sacrifice that can be kind of a scary prayer, right? You know, is there a sacrifice that you're asking of me, you know, to really take that to prayer, take that to your confessor, take that to your spiritual director, if you have one, you know, and really yeah. see if there's something there that, um, that you're being called to do, because we want to make sure that these conform with what God would want us to do. And not just yeah. something that we might come up with that isn't so much in his plan so yeah um yeah I, I would throw out too if there's something you're struggling with um maybe it's eating too much drinking too much or or something or watching too much television video games to cut to make the sacrifice of not doing that but not just for whatever gains you might make out of that but um also saying i'm going to give up let's say television tonight and instead i'm going to pray for this person in need so in a way, I'm offering um, that sacrifice, that selfless act for someone else's intentions before God. Just a thought. Yeah, love it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that can be really powerful. That can help with the, that can help right. with the motivation, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Dr. Peter, it's really great to see you today. And uh, I'm enjoying, it kind of got dark. It was beautiful and sunny earlier, and I think I missed it. Atlanta weather at this time of year is unpredictable. It can be sunny and beautiful one minute, and then pouring rain the next, and then sunny again. So, 
I don't, yeah. I don't know how are things going for you. And it's hot. It's fire. hot. It's getting hot. Well, we haven't had any rain in the last seven to ten days, so I'm going to be watering. Um, but uh, but it's been uh, it's been beautiful. It's been it's been nice. Crops are going well here, so we're uh, we're 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 trucking along. We're trucking along. Nice, nice. Well, guys, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoy. Got something out of our readings. These rather challenging ones. Uh, I think we all need to be challenged sometimes. Obviously, by 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 Christ's message is 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 not easy. But uh, we're here together to uh, create community. I hope that if you get a chance, you will uh, check out uh, Dr. Peter's podcast, uh, Carpe Diem podcast, and the adjacent uh, community that uh he's created did you want to say any quick little thing about that just just quickly about that yeah i mean this this theme of grounding psychology in the in catholicism that runs all through the coronavirus crisis carpe diem podcast and the resilient catholics uh community that's around that that's what we're all about and that's actually what souls and hearts is all about too right if you wanted to just get secular psychology you'd go anywhere for that it's all over the internet we are really trying to make sure that we don't um that we that we are are faithful and that we're taking the best of psychology too. We don't want to neglect the goods that are in psychology, nor do we want to neglect the treasure of the faith. We want to bring those two together in a way that is really harmonious and that mm. brings us to living better. So it doesn't have to be an either or thing. It can be a both and thing. So I love it. So check check that out. We also have, of course, our weekly blogs and this show and other courses available for free and the course for uh, couples and pornography addiction. So join us for all this cool stuff in Souls and Hearts. We're so excited uh, to be on this pilgrimage with you and look forward to you next time. Until then, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.